you for listening to this message from the North Gate. It's available now. He tried to show the 12 men that he walked with closely for three years. I'm going to be just as available in the spirit realm as I am in the flesh. The access is there. You just have to be intentional. You, what do you mean be intentional? You're going to have to go to an upper room for 120 days. And you're going to have to wait until, until what? Until you know I'm near. They didn't know a sound was coming. They didn't know a wind was coming. They didn't know a language was coming. They didn't understand what kind of power was coming. So in that, we are discovering our way of life that fits us. It's not a knock on anybody else who does Sunday morning church. But I know for us, Sunday nights and Saturday nights work extremely well for what God has called us to do and what we are as a family. And what I love that we just did this Easter, instead of dressing up with a form and a fashion and checking the box because it's Easter Sunday, we just had a feast as a family. And instead of wishing and hoping... And figuring if we could have the greatest marketing idea to get a bunch of people to come on Easter Sunday, we probably ministered to more people in this plaza driving by going, what in the world is that? No, I mean, I talk to at least five or six carloads of people alone when I'm walking from the door over to where we're eating. What in the world is going on? We're a church. No way. No, Really? This is what you guys are doing for Easter? Absolutely, 100%. 100%, this is what we're doing as a family. Because right now in this moment, we're preparing for a way of life. We're preparing for a shift in everything that we know and everything that we do. And so I want to read back to you the prophecy that began to prepare us for this moment right here that has led us to Hebrews 10, Hebrews 4, Acts 2, and tonight, Acts 3. Y'all ready? Apostle Damon said on January 4th, 2016, prepare your house for April. We are coming in April. I don't know what you've got on the calendar, but I need you to cancel it. We're coming in April. We're bringing a contingency of the kingdom there in April to northern Ohio. We're going to dance on the other side of a veil that the Lord is going to rip And he's going to begin to rip this in the next 21 days. Does anyone in this room want to go to Ohio in April? I can tell you right now, we started counting the other day. There's probably going to be about at least 12 to 15 different states that are coming to gather in this room, April 22nd and 23rd, which will be on the anniversary of the first time Apostle Damon came to the gym in April 22nd, 23rd, and 24th in 2016. This is the seventh year completion of everything that he announced to us, which the first thing was, you're leaving the man away, never having one conversation of where I coach, who I coach, let alone what the mascot is. And he had a dream. And in the dream, he was sitting at a table with Jesus. And he said, I need you to go to Ohio which was April 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, the anniversary of what we're celebrating. And I need you to tell Jimmy and Tina it's time to move to the home of the Rockets. Many of you, how many of you were there when he announced that? Do you remember the combustion in the room? 
like it was like the roof came off the gym when he made the statement, you're moving, which many don't know, I'd had conversations with him about purchasing the school. We could have purchased the whole school for $400,000. Do you realize what you're getting in land and acreage and an existing school? Biomed did. Biomed absolutely understood what they got. But you know, it was awesome. We prayed for a generation to be touched. We prayed for witty inventions. We prayed for God to fill that school, and he did. And we prayed for $1 million to come in. All of that came in, not to us, but it came into the kingdom. Everything we prayed about happened. And there's something when the man of God comes and doesn't know the conversations, but he knows God's heartbeat for us in this region. And he says, go to the home of the rockets. So here we go. We're here. We've been here for seven years now. Now we've established, we've rooted in, we've laid a foundation. But now we're entering into a way of life like we've never entered into before. And so in that, he begins to talk about a new day. He says this, the Lord is saying something about the spring of this year. Things are going to start to spring into another dimension. How do I know that he was not talking about 2016? Because we had no clue about dimensional teaching. It took us the last seven years to figure out what dimensions were when Jesus himself began to talk about their dimensions and ages to come. We are now figuring this stuff out now. And if you've not heard me teach on dimensions, then we're just going to have to sit down and have a little talk, and I'm going to weird you out to the ninth degree when I start grabbing my little triangles that all came from a dream that I had with Apostle Aaron, Apostle Damon's apostle, and in the dream, some of you guys need to hear this, even on the live stream. In the dream, I'm standing in Apostle D's office in South Carolina, and Apostle Damon was given an orb of triangles. And Apostle Aaron had that orb, and it was about the size of a softball, and he's throwing it up. And he said, catch. When we caught it, we transported. We ended up in some village. I know what that village is now. It's been in Africa. Because I've been on a journey the last two years with a connection to Benin, Africa, and the South Gate, and what they're doing over in Benin. And he looks at me and he says, preach. And I said, are you kidding me? They don't understand my language. He said, it's the kingdom, just talk. And I begin to talk and deliverance begin to take place and healing begin to take place in the dream, which I'm gonna say it right now. I'm gonna mess with you, you ready? I thought it was a dream. It felt real. And Apostle Aaron goes, how real did it feel? It's for your, it's for your belief to figure out. And then after people in the village started to get saved and healed and encounter the love of God and the message of Jesus, he pulls that orb out and starts throwing it around and he throws it at me again and we take off. This time, the only thing that I can explain is we're in a gold vault and there are thousands, if not millions of gold coins. I say it like this, the only way I can explain it, you're gonna show your age. Who remembers the show DuckTales growing up? <laughs> DuckTales, ooh, I'm standing in this gold vault and there's coins and rubies and jewels and it's amazing. And he said, doesn't this look familiar? Which it should because that's where I'm from. I'm not from Ohio and I'm not from Portage County. 
I'm from there and he sent us here. So in the dream, he's asking me, does it look familiar? And I'm going, no. He said, well, you should. He said, in this vault is the inheritance of your region, which we would know as the 40-mile radius. And inside of that, when he makes that statement to me, that this right here is the inheritance, he throws that orb at me again. I catch it, and we go back to Apostle Damon's office. And then he pulls out a painting of some triangles, two dimensions, two-dimensional. Do you understand what two-dimensional is? If I have a picture on a page, it's two dimensions. I wish I had it with me, but I don't have it with me. But two dimensions look like this. I guess I am going to go into a little bit of this teaching. Two dimensions is you just looking at a triangle. We've been taught a Christianity of heaven and hell, which is just two dimensions. The kingdom is three-dimensional. When three dimensions start moving, you can look this up. It's science. When four dimensions happen, this right here is this moving. In and out and up and down and all around. So when you get introduced to the kingdom, you start seeing the world differently. You start seeing people differently. Then when you start allowing the kingdom to enter you, things start moving at different speeds and it becomes bigger than what it is. The fifth dimension is when you as an individual, you as an individual, fifth dimension, gets connected to another fourth dimensional piece. Now it gets even bigger. And when four dimensions become five dimensions, now we enter into the six dimensions where portals of heaven, a place called Panal, when a fifth dimensional, when a fourth dimensional Jacob connects to a fifth dimensional angel, they start opening six dimensions of heaven. I know, I'm messing with you. That's why when Jesus shows up, there's dimensions and ages that you've not seen and are yet to come. So I need you to understand this. There is an access that when we discover this, Apostle Aaron told me in the dream, when you begin to figure this out, you'll inherit everything that was in the vault. I believe we're coming into these things. Because why? Because we got smarter? No, because we got connected. Let me say this again. Why? Because we have more theology? No. The kingdom is about covenant. Everything in the kingdom is about relationships. Everything with Jesus Christ is about relationships. Everything to do with God is about covenant. And every covenant is to do with land and people. Every time that there is covenant mentioned in the Bible, it has to do with land and people that are attached to it. Every time you see the word covenant in the Bible, and where there is covenant, there is inheritance. Where there is covenant, there is rights. Where there is covenant, there is access. So in this, we have a prophecy over April, that we are springing into another dimension from a fast to a feast, what we did here. 
Some of you have passed the test of suffering. The Lord wants to know if you can dance now on the other side of the veil. Can you enjoy that a new day is upon you? I have taught about the new day in here in Hebrews 10 since Valentine's Day when a new day was entered into us with these children. And we have a choice that in childlike faith and wonder to start believing for what these kids are believing for and the encounters that they're having and going after God. I got up here around 2 o'clock today, 2.30. There was already like 15 teenagers up in here praying all day for their friends, for their city. That's not happening everywhere. And it's beautiful that God is bringing such a hunger to them. But it is not for us to sit back as adults and parents and say, wow, kids, awesome. It's for us to run as the old and the young together. Grandfathers with grandchildren, mothers with fathers. This is the prophecy of the heart of Elijah in the earth. This is the prophecy of us stepping into inheritance, believing not just for people to be saved in America, but for us to actually see the salvation, deliverance, and healing of the Lord right here in our city, in Streetsboro, and not just in Streetsboro, but a 40-mile radius all the way to Cleveland, to Akron, to Youngstown. Watch. Now, first, it was Apostle Everett Whiteside who came from Youngstown, who came in here over the last year and said, this is that in this place. Then all of a sudden, God sends Apostle Bo Salisbury into here at Valentine's Day after he went to Asbury and then comes here and says, this is that. And then last night, Pastor Wayne shows up from Elyria, which is the Cleveland area, that says, God has his eye on Streetsboro. How many more apostles and prophets does God have to bring into the house for us to realize that he's up to something big in this region to shower out his love and glory? And with that, we have to be prepared for a new day. And we can't do church as usual. We can't do church as normal. And it's not a knock on anybody who's doing that. We are called to something different. We are called to be front runners. We are called to be pioneers. We are called to be revolutionaries. You have to realize that you were born for a time such as this to show the glory of the Lord across this whole region. He's going to cause you to come into a fuller recognition of what you already have there. There is enough there that most men would have extended revival meetings a long time ago. You are going to do a revival lifestyle, so it won't be about meetings. Be cautious and put a guard on who you give the microphone to and who you put in your pulpit. Be cautious. Put a guard on your pulpit. That doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with anybody. I don't know anything you are doing, but by the Holy Ghost, put a guard on the house. I'm telling you, I feel it. There's even people with a good sound, but they are not of your tribe and family. The Lord said, guard the house. Come on, can you believe that out of northern Ohio, a veil is going to be ripped? It's going to touch the whole nation. You tried to get out of the north, but the Lord wouldn't let you because he needed somebody at the ripping point. He needed somebody to start the tear. He needed somebody strong enough. He needed somebody determined enough that you would rip it at the beginning. It's not easy to rip, but once it gets started, I'm telling you, and I am telling you in Jesus' name, it is beginning to rip. 
It is not hard to rip the t-shirt, but once you get it started, it rips wide open. Once the tear starts, it's over. I'm declaring that in this time of feasting in April, there is going to be a great tearing. You will be able to say that we got here not because we fasted, not because we prayed. You will say we got here because we heard the word of the Lord. We got into alignment as a family and we threw a feast and this thing ripped open suddenly. Hallelujah. I feel this in my soul. Jimmy and Tina, there's going to be services that never end. I'm telling you, I've seen that in the last two months. Wednesday nights, people don't want to leave this place. Sundays, they get in here and they don't want to leave. Throughout the day, many of you have begun to walk in this lifestyle of coming in here and just beginning to pray. John 14 said, anything you ask, my Father will supply. Jesus also said, you have not because you ask not. We have been dedicated to prayer without obligation, but we've been dedicated to prayer because we have a friend in Jesus and we believe that he's going to answer and he is answering right now. Jimmy and Tina, there are services that will never end. You won't even try to end them. The sons and daughters of the house are just going to remain. There is such a hovering coming to the house of the north gate. I even see that sometimes what has come at force is now going to come easy and rest gently because it is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. There has been power that has come at times to accomplish a mission, but this is about an intimacy that remains. And I can tell everybody in this room, when you come in here, it is about intimacy and friendship. It is not about warring. It is not about striving. I I sit in that office and watch people walk in here all day long, in and out. I come in here in the evenings after sports and watch 20 and 30 different people come in here and do what? Just literally host presence and let Jesus love on them and believe that his love is being spread across this region. I'm seeing this begin to happen. I'm so proud of this house. I'm so proud of you. Listen, do I need to preach another Easter message that today Jesus died and in three days he rose again? Listen, let me tell you what it's about. Death, burial, and resurrection. But the resurrection is not just about celebrating that God is not dead, he's still alive. Your resurrection is Jesus' resurrection. You have the same power, the same DNA. It's your inheritance. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in you and greater things will you do than even what Jesus did in the earth it is time it is time it is time it is time it's a Jesus revolution it's Azusa street you can call it whatever they've seen it to be but it is an outpouring of God's spirit in this last day and we will never see anything like this because this is it he saved the best for last this is it he saved the best for last this is it Because there's not people that's going to run looking for an outpouring. They're going to say, this is a way of life. 
The same way they did in the book of Acts. Till those boys got filled with the Holy Ghost, till they died, it was a way of life. Till they got filled with the Holy Ghost, until they got martyred, it was a way of life. Till they got baptized in fire and would not keep their mouth shut. What did I tell you, youth? You gotta go tell somebody. You gotta go tell somebody. You gotta go tell somebody. What did we do all day as people were going up and down, driving? What is this? What is We're getting the good news. We're getting it out. We're telling, what is this? What is this big crowd of people? It is a family. That's the first response. What do you mean it's a family? It's a church, but it's a family. I'm using the north gate to take a state. And I've put you there to be the keepers at the gate. Open it wide. Listen, that is a command. You got to read this stuff. He's telling you take ownership. Open it wide to the presence of God. People have prophesied that it was coming through other places. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the keepers in the north is the north gate. God is going to rattle the state of Ohio from the north to the south from the north gate. He said in the same way that I ripped the veil from the top to the bottom, I'm going to rip open the state of Ohio from the top to the bottom. God rattle the state of Ohio from top to bottom in Jesus' name. Now, what's this look like? Go to Acts 2. The first thing is you got to recognize you're in a new day. And how do you recognize you're in a new day? By you loving and caring for the people you're connected to. Do I got to put Hebrews? I preached it for two months. You should be able to quote it by now. Stop neglecting being together. You should be together as much as possible. And here's what I'm going to prove to you. This is not you going and just having dinner at a house. That's not what this is. This is not you going and having dinner. That's not what this is. Stop making it about that. That's not it. I want you to have dinner, but have prayer too. Because if there's one thing I can remember as a kid, every time my mom and dad had somebody from the church over for dinner, a prayer meeting broke out. We are literally trying to convince ourselves that we need community and we don't need the spirit. We do nothing become more than a glorified country club. That is not what this is about. That is not what this is about. This is about people being healed, delivered, set free, coming into their identity of the love of God, understanding that they are loved no matter what, and we are to be shining radiant lights of the goodness of God. Watch, loving each other first and then loving others. And the church got that way backwards. We'll love a visitor before we love somebody that's committed, loyal, and call this place home. I'm not, listen, we are, it's a false identity of Christianity. He said, you'll know that we are Christians by how we love one another. And the church is bitter and they gossip and they vent and they're divided. I'm telling you, we are setting the precedence in the dimension of five, in the dimension of grace and favor, in the dimension of completion, in the dimension of connectability. God is drawing us together to show the world you can love each other this deep. They've not seen it yet. They've not seen it. They've not seen a son feel like he blew it big. And then a father looked at him and says, if I don't love you rightly, then you won't know what the love of God really is. 
Some of what we think are hiccups in this room have been nothing more but setups. Come on, what you think are hiccups in this room, God knows the beginning from the end. He's the author and finisher of our faith. We're right on time and we're right where we're supposed to be. And what we think are hiccups, God is going, I'm gonna use this. I'm gonna use that right there. And I'm gonna prove it through the word that what the enemy intended for evil, God's gonna turn for good. You don't think our hiccups together? You don't think our screw-ups together are any worse than Peter denying Christ to a 14-year-old girl? You don't think our screw-ups are any worse than Peter cutting an ear off? You don't think our screw-ups are any worse? See, but here's the thing. We were in a day and an age in the church that when somebody screwed up, we told everyone, yep, they're messed up. Yep, 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 yep. They're never gonna get it right. That's not true. That's not true. Because the love of God will not stop. The cross, his arms were wide open for a reason. That means there would be full acceptance 100% of the time. Listen, 100, his arms were, he could have died so many different ways, but he died with his arms wide open to let us know he will always fully accept us no matter what. But I've said it like this for years. People don't want to talk about the dimensions and the mysteries and the wildness of the God of the universe. Your God rose from the dead, which means he can do anything. He took the keys to death, hell, and the grave, which means he can do anything. And he does not want to do it by his own hand. He wants to do it in co-labor with you. He does not want to do it by his own hand. He wants to co-labor with you. You have dreams. You have desires. He said, if you delight yourself in me, I'll give you the desires of your heart he wants to co-labor with you for the state of Ohio that's why it's about a 40 mile radius and not just Streetsboro well what about Indiana well if somebody would live out what they are Indiana will get fired up and if some, somebody's got somebody's to be a front, if you live out who you are, Kentucky will get fired up. And if you live out who you are, Wyndham will get fired up. And if you live out who you are, Ravenna will get fired up. And if you live out who you are, Hudson will get fired up. And if you live out who you are, Aurora will get fired up. If you live out who you are, then Cleveland will get fired up. If you live out who you are, then Canada will get fired up. This thing is about for God so loved the world with his arms wide open. He came to save the entire cosmos. This ain't about a church attendance on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Awesome. You found the love of God. Boom. 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 Everybody in this room, everybody in this room has found the love of God. Teenagers start paying attention. This is too real now. This is too real now. It's too real to screw off. It's too real. It's too real. It's too, I'm taking a handful of kids to camp that are serious. Listen to me. If you're not serious about this, you're not going. This is serious. We are on the break of something big to get over your insecurities, your fears, your addictions, to get over the trends 
of the local school system. This is about the love of God shed abroad for all that covers a multitude of sin that we are thinking is cool, that we are thinking is hip, that we are thinking is trendy, and we're too afraid to tell a generation there is a better way. 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 I'm not emotionally attached to anybody. I'm not. I got healed of that. So when I feel this room's off, I'm going to bring it right into, I'm going to bring it right into what Apostle said, alignment. Because there's an announcement of the love of God that needs to be heard. And it needs to stop being taken lightly. And it needs to stop being taken that it's just be a better person. No, he said be a brand new person. Jesus never said be a better person. Jesus not one time in scripture said be a better person. He said be a brand new person. He said be a new, and the problem is we're so insecure we can't see the real ourselves because we won't fall in love with the real love that will come in. We just want to be good where we're at. And God's like, I don't want you to be good where you're at. I want you to be great. I want you to be everything that I've called you to be. I don't want you to look in the mirror anymore and second guess who you are when you wake up in the morning. I want you to wake up in the morning, look in the mirror and say, I'm going to conquer this day the same way Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave because he's my father and he's my Abba and I have his DNA. Nobody in this room should lose. Nobody in this room. Every day you wake up, you shouldn't lose. And if you feel like you're losing, then I would say this, get away from the losers that make you feel like a loser and get around winners. Get away from losers that make you feel like a loser and get around winners. Get away from losers that make you feel like you're nothing and get around winners. Come on, man. So I, so I, some people don't want me to coach their kids because they just want their kid to be good. You get on a field with me, you're going to be great. True or not true? I'm looking at the parents in the room that I coach their kids. You can see the kids that are just born to do something, but I'm going to make sure the kid that doesn't think he's born to do something by the time the end makes him believe he's born to do something. Because athletics ain't the only avenue. I'm going to look at people and say you're born for greatness. Get away from viperous tongues that make you think you're a loser and get around winners because winners win. Get around winners. Get around winners. What You talking about sports? No, I'm talking about life. You've lost enough in life. You've lost enough relationships. You've lost enough money. You've lost enough health. You've lost enough. I'm talking about he conquered death, hell, and the grave. And he's your God. What religion don't want to hear is you were created in his likeness and image. You know what that word means in the Greek? You were created in his abilities. There's another King James error. Don't you tell them people they have the abilities of God. Why not? I'm going to prove to you in a second. Peter was frustrated with people when he healed a man and said, you're surprised? If you're surprised, you don't know who your God is. If you're shocked, you don't know him. You just know about him. If you're shocked, I wasn't shocked when Trent got healed. I knew it was coming. 
I want to shock when Glenn's wife got healed of cancer. In the last two months, my son, I love, I love, I love watching the doctor stutter. We waited to the whole end of the the whole way in. And she's like, my God, Trenton's doing amazing. My God, he's doing awesome. Like, this is great. He's touching his toes. Like, the medicine's working. Tina's elbow me, like, do we tell her? And I'm like, just let her talk. She's over here praising the medicine. And I said, okay, she's done. Go ahead. Tina goes, ma'am, we've not taken that medicine for two months. She was like, uh, uh, what do you mean? Um, in a church service? She's like, in a what? In a church service? Our son was praying for other people, and other people were praying for him, and we don't know who was praying for who, and Cookie was standing there, and he's all fired up. All of a sudden, my son fell over right here. Right here. Right here. Right here, weeping, weeping, weeping. You know what? He didn't feel like a loser. You know what he didn't feel like? He didn't feel like he was losing in his health. He didn't feel like he was losing in his mind. But there was a moment when he was hanging around certain kids. They made him feel like a loser. They made him feel like a nobody that he wanted to take his own life. But in the presence of Almighty God, in the power of the Holy Ghost, God began to move right there. And he goes, Dad, I don't have any pain. What do you mean, son? You ain't got no pain. Dad, I got tears. I ain't got no pain, Dad. For two years, he battled pain for two years. He battled suicide for two years. I ain't got no pain. I don't know pain, Dad. Dad, watch this. Touched his toes. Dad, I've not been able to touch my toes for four years. I touched my toes. Then we get to look at the medical science field and go, ma'am, it's not the medicine. I'm going to order it anyway. Well, you go ahead and do that. But we still ain't giving it to them. It could just be the juvenile arthritis has went into mission. Yep, you can say it's in remission. He's healed. He's healed. He's healed. And how many times did we catch Glenn in here? Before the cross, before the lampstand, arms high. Listen, he could listen to the losers that kept identifying his wife. You're gonna die. It's over. It's coming to an end. But no, he got in this room surrounded by this group of people and we kept telling him, no, 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 no. We're gonna believe. We're gonna believe till we watch Rhonda come in this place. Do... 1 Timothy 4 says, do not despise. Do not despise your youth. Some of you feel like you're still baby Christians. Jalen, the moment that you encountered the love of God, you left infancy behind. The moment you encountered the Holy Spirit, Glenn, and heard his whisper over your wife, immaturity left. Are you tracking with me, man? Caden, the moment that you had that encounter right here, immaturity left. The message translation says, it doesn't say don't despise your youth. You know what it says? Get the word out. 
Message translation does not say don't despise your youth. I'm telling you, stop thinking you're nobody. Stop thinking Jesus didn't die for nobodies. Jesus died for somebody, everybody, all of you in this room. The love of Jesus was shed abroad so we could come into the fullness of his love and be made whole in his righteousness. What happens when somebody dies? They didn't die. They just left here. Terry was here last week. Victoria was here last week. So was Josh. And you know what they're all up there going? It's time. It's time. It's time. You got grandmas, grandpas, people that prayed for you. Some of you don't even know how you ended up in this church. There's them up there going, I know how you ended up at that church because this is real up here and they're making it real down there. This is real up here and they're ma- I know how because I prayed for you. You didn't wander in here off the street. Well, nobody in my family goes to church. You don't know your great-grandmother. You don't know what family members were in this region during the second great awakening. That the circuit riders from Cane Ridge, one of the largest revivals that everybody talks about, everybody talks about the Cane Ridge revival, the Cane Ridge revival, Red River meeting, all that. They talk, Cane Ridge, Cane Ridge, Cane Ridge. Those Methodist Fiery preachers flooded out of Kentucky to northeastern Ohio, and they used to call this the burnt up district because so many people got saved. This is a straight line to freedom. I want you to begin to hear me. The last stop of the Underground Railroad from the south to the north was in Wyndham, Ohio. Portage County is one of the final destinations of the Underground Railroad. God has always been in covenant with Portage County. He was just looking for a group of people to get so connected in the love of God that he says, I can open the windows of heaven right there in the Port Age. Portage County in the Port Age, a harbor, a port for the ages to come. Come Oh, you're making this stuff up. No, it's called port age for a reason. And by definition, it's called the place where two rivers become one for a reason. Because God's been waiting for a people to become one with each other and become one with God. God's been waiting for a people Acts 2, 42. God's been waiting for a lifestyle of every believer was fully devoted to the following of the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. This is not about just eating meals. First of all, this ain't got nothing to do with counseling. Listen to me. They say, not one part in this whole thing does it even show the word counsel. So if your connectability is about you venting about something that you don't like, you're missing what the new lifestyle is. Instead of venting about it, get in this room and pray about it. Instead of talking about it, when something's wrong, the person you talk to, let's pray about it. Because whatever you ask in my Father's name, I will begin to show you the works of my Father's hands. Whatever you ask in my name, my Father will begin to answer. Somebody hear me, man. Somebody hear me. Their hearts were mutually linked together with one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly. 
for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers were in fellowship as one body. And they shared with one another everything that they had. Out of generosity, sounds a lot like Hebrews 10. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily, they met together in the what? Daily, they met together first in the temple and the temple courts, then in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful, not venting hearts, not venting hearts, not this is what's all screwed up, with joyful hearts, it says. Daily they met together in the temple courts first, in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. Man, this is so good. Go to the last verse. They were continually filled with the praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily who were coming to life. You guys ready? Phase two. That was foundation. That was foundation. That was a way of life. That was foundation. Now what happens when you have foundation you can build upon? Now, when you become so non-negotiable, and when I said get your running shoes on and this is the least we're going to do and the smallest we're going to be, some of you got rattled because you were enjoying your age of rest, which wasn't a rage of an age of rest. It, you were being lethargic. Whew, let that sit for a minute. Well, brother, we're not going to strive. Ain't nobody striving. It's called building a foundation. It's called building a foundation for these kids. Every time I watch these teenage boys go after God, awesome. Every time I see these girls cry out to God, and watch, now they're not crying out to God because they're insecure and they don't like themselves and they hate what they see in the mirror. They're actually dreaming. And when they cry now, when I see Alexis cry now, she's crying out for her friends. When I see them cry out, I see them crying out for their friends. You know why? Because they've allowed God to deal with them. And because they've allowed God to deal with them, they've now got a hunger for God. And they're dreaming his dream. They're believing his ways. They're believing the best is yet to come. They're not settled and becoming domesticated on what's happening in the earth. They're believing for more. They're believing for more. I've seen it with my own eyes. Sissy began to say, I've seen it with my own eyes. My brother got healed. Rhonda got healed of cancer. I've seen it with my own eyes. I'm seeing different people come into the love of God. I've seen it with my own eyes. These kids are testifying. I've seen it with my own eyes, but it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. Y'all tracking with me? It's just the beginning. So in this, here's what happens the next day. Go to Acts 3 for me. I'm going to turn my hat backwards because it was a bad idea to wear a sweatshirt in here. But I'm working on getting my winter weight off anyway. So it's like I'm at wrestling practice. 
I may have a trash bag under here and you just don't know it. The way I'm sweating under here, it feels like it. <laughs> ah, but does this not feel good? Does this not feel right? We are two weeks away from Apostle D coming into this house. We are two weeks away from the northern region and the prophecy being fulfilled that the north has to come through the north gate to get connected to this family. So I know pastors, I know pastors and leaders that are coming here, April 22nd, 23rd. You hear me? This is for us and it's for them. Because the last thing that it said in Acts 2, they were continually filled with praises to God and enjoying the favor of all the people. They were enjoying the favor of all the people. The community, last night Pastor Wayne prophesied, your community's about to grow. Does that mean we're gonna flood with the city of streets for here? No, you're gonna see April 22nd, 23rd, God's gonna connect you with people from other states. God's gonna begin to connect, grow the roots Grow the family tree. Everything is about to spread like wildfire in the north. And this is what phase two looks like. One afternoon, say afternoon. Afternoon. Does not begin to say it's a Sunday morning. I don't think it's a Sunday morning, but what I love is it's an afternoon. It's not morning. It's an afternoon. So this definitely tells me it's not Sunday morning, 10 a.m. or Sunday morning, 11 a.m. It's either noon, one o'clock, three o'clock, or four o'clock. It's the afternoon. It goes into detail and actually tells what time it is. It says, one afternoon, Peter and John went to the temple for the three o'clock prayer service. Pastor Jimmy's losing his mind by asking us to start coming in here and pray. No, I'm actually watching you become the real church. Instead of those that starve spiritually, and wait till Sunday comes. And hopefully the pastor brings it. Hopefully he knocks it out of the park. Hopefully he, hope, 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 hope Tina's got the right worship set. My week's been rough. Your week may not get rough if you start coming to the temple daily to pray. Yeah. Well, brother, this isn't about buildings. Yeah, tell that to Adam and Eve when they got kicked out of the garden that it's not about location. Tell Joshua that Jericho is not a location. Tell the whore named Jezebel that Israel wasn't about location. Y'all tracking with me? Religious people would be like, brother, it ain't all about streets, bro. You sure? You sure? All through the Bible, it's about places. It's about, all through the Bible, it's about location. Listen, I want God to move everywhere, but I don't live everywhere. I live here. I don't live everywhere. I live here. It looks like I live everywhere, but I live here. I don't live, it looks like I live everywhere, but I don't live everywhere. I live here and I dream for here and I drive up and down these roads and dream for these roads and I look in your eyes and I dream for you and I'm dreaming for here. And so in that God has anointed this house, this is where you call home. This is our lampstand. Let's fill this place with oil. Oh, you're putting obligation on me. I said, the Lord told us 15 minutes. And I told you, if you don't live in this city, you ain't got to come up in here. But I'm asking those that live in this city, why'd you move here? Just so you could have a nice house, nice backyard. Is that all, that's all you're living for? It's a house with some acreage? I want to see the crime rate drop. 
I don't want to see in the front page of our county paper, Streetsboro is the front line of sexting never again. I want to see the crime rate drop. I want to see the divorce rate drop. I want to see the drug addiction drop. I want to see alcoholism come to an end. I want to see cancer drop. I want to see health. Listen, Brandon talked about it last night that in Spokane, Washington, when a man decided to put his roots in Spokane, Washington and declare healing rooms, well, this is our healing room and this is our deliverance room and this is our salvation room and this is our transformation room. This is our room. Just like John G. Lake had rooms in Spokane and you got to start believing when people come into this room they are here to not for a good church meeting they are here to encounter the one true living God and his name is Jesus so here's two knuckleheads and Peter was a knucklehead but he transformed and he understood isn't it crazy before Jesus dies, Peter misses a prayer meeting. He gets baptized in radical love called the Holy Ghost. Gets redeemed and transformed of denying Christ. And the guy who can't stay up for a prayer meeting is now the guy who's going to the church at 3 o'clock. What's, what's God wanting to transform in you? Because I know, listen, have a conversation with Jason McDowell. Ask him what he sees and hears when he comes up in here every day after work. For sometimes maybe 15 minutes, sometimes 30 minutes, maybe sometimes an hour. I don't know how long he comes up in here, but I know he comes up in here every day. Because something radically happened to him the same way something radically happened to Peter. And he's not the same man that he was two years ago, is he? Is he, Lita? He's not, look at her. She's like, he's not the same man. That doesn't knock who he was two years ago. That's how awesome the love of God is. It doesn't knock. Come on. Some of you get in that religion of, oh, I was garbage. No, God knew who Jason was the whole time. He was just waiting for him to encounter love like he's never seen before. Or if he would have come up in here, we could tell, Jason, you need to stop doing this. You need to stop doing that. You need to stop doing this. You should be doing this. You should be doing that, Jason. That message has not been preached in here. When he came up in here, he heard one thing. You are radically loved by God. And it became more than words. It became an experience. And if there was never a foundation... I'll never forget when him and Lita would make statements. Man, I I can remember a year ago. Man, I wish Everett would just get connected with the boys at the church and I wish dreaming for their children. Now, a couple weeks ago when I was watching Jason walk around and the altars lay hands on kids, here come Everett right behind. And when Jason would lay hands on somebody, Everett would lay hands on somebody. And then I'm getting text messages when they let their kid go to Kentucky. He's going, man, I feel the fire through the live stream. And I love watching my son jump up and down and worship Almighty God. Come on, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. 
Come on, man. Peter said in Acts chapter two, what has happened to us in this upper room is not gonna be a finished work here. It's for those that are here now and those that are to come. It's for the generations after us. I don't know how anybody can read the Bible and say the works of the Holy Ghost stopped in Acts two. When Peter preached, what has happened here is coming for generations. But for it to come for generations, you're gonna have to make room for generations. You're going to have to make room for generations. You're going to have to make room for generations, which means if them kids want to pray here all day, then we're going to unlock the church, and they can be in here all day long. One afternoon, Peter and John went to the temple for 3 o'clock prayer. As they came to the entrance called the Beautiful Gate, I can just say this right now. People's like, brother, you twisting the Bible. Well, we're called the North Gate, and I'm calling Streetsboro the Beautiful Gate. Because I don't see it the way you see it, so I'm going to call it beautiful. It's a beautiful gate. It's a beautiful city. It's a beautiful age, beautiful time we're living in. They came to the gate called Beautiful. They were captured by a sight of a man crippled from birth, being carried and placed at the entrance to the temple. He was often brought there to beg for money for those going into worship. When he noticed Peter and John going into the temple, he begged them for money. Peter and John looking straight into his eyes, into the eyes of the crippled man, said, look at us. I told you to quit thinking like a loser. I told you. I told you. I told these boys to start testifying at your school. Why? I said, because they're kids that go to church that you don't even know they go to church. And if you invite them to this, they'll come. Within a week or two weeks of that, that's when I met Brent's dad. And in the weight room, I asked Brent, I asked Hunter Smith, I asked a bunch of boys sitting there. I said, Brent, you go to church? Who told you that? I said, I talked to your dad, Pastor Wayne. They call him Daddy Wayne. I said, you know what else I heard, Brent? Your church believes like the North Gate. Hunter Smith goes, what? Is that true, Brent? Brent said, yeah. I said, hey, man, you guys want to come to youth group? Hunter goes, I'm grounded anyway. I got, I got nowhere to go. You hearing me? That's not just about kids. That's about your coworkers. You don't know what VBS seed got planted in them. You don't know what youth group seed got planted in them. You don't know who's told them about Jesus, and we're about to produce the water. We're about to produce the water. We're about to produce the water because Daddy Wayne came up in here last night. Pastor Wayne came up in here and he said, oh, yeah, you heard what he said last night. I don't have to repeat it. You were here. You heard what he said. You heard what he said. It's here. It's here. And God has now sent a pastor. God has sent a prophet and an apostle from Cleveland, Youngstown, and Akron to let us know we're right in the middle of what we need to be doing. 
but I need you to understand, you need to believe in who you are, and you need to get some people to start looking at you. You need to look some people dead in the eye. And watch this. Watch this. You can see their drug addiction. You can see their brokenness. You can see their finances. We could clearly see that the man was crippled. We could clearly see the man couldn't walk. We could clearly see other people had tolerated him being crippled forever. And I told you guys two weeks ago, tolerating something is not loving something. Tolerance is tolerance, which means you tolerate it and you bring no change. But love means I am going to give you the truth. I'm going to bring you transformation. I'm not let you go stay the way that you are. I'm going to believe that the best is yet to come. I'm not going to settle for where you are and what you're doing. I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ is in me. It's not about celebrating a day. It's about living a life. These boys weren't celebrating resurrection. They were walking in it and they were screwed up and they were losers and they made mistakes, but God had the final word. I need your money. Listen to what I just said. I need your money. You don't need my money. I need your money. There are people that are looking at you saying, I need your money. I need what you got. No. You need your walk back. You need your walk back. You need your walk back. You're trying to tolerate and give them so many other things that's going to restore their walk. But the only thing that's going to restore their walk is you tell them to look at my life. Look at what I'm living. Look at who I have become. Look at where I'm going into the temple to pray. Look at my life. Look at me. Look at where I'm going. Look at my life. Look at me. Look at where I'm going and where I'm going. You can't stay here. And he said, you want money? You want money? Go to verse five. Expecting a gift, he readily gave them attention. Go to verse six. Peter said, I don't have money, but I'll give you this by the power. By the power. I'm gonna give you my life. I'm gonna give you my attention. I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to tell you where I'm going because every single day his normal was to go sit and be crippled. God is messing with your normal north gate. So when you look at normal life crippled people, and I'm not talking about just paraplegics. I'm talking about crippled by anxiety, crippled by depression, crippled by fear, crippled by addiction, crippled by insecurities, crippled by the ways of the world. I'm telling you, people are allowing people to normally be crippled and do nothing but appease them and tolerate that they're crippled. And Peter said, enough's enough. I don't have money to give you. But by the power of his resurrection, you know what he gave him? The truth. That man had a choice. You're telling me to do something? Well, I'm going to throw something. 
you're telling me to do something I've never done? Do you know how many people we might be holding back because we just keep tolerating what they are? Come on, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in you and it's not in you to just have good prayer meetings and watch kids get wrecked by the love of God. God's wanting you to look at somebody who thinks they're walking in a normal, everyday, crippled situation and greater is he that is in me than anything that's in the world and he just wants you to what, pray in the Holy Ghost? Nope. He wants you to do that immediately when you start to get it off your tongue, fear grips you. Why? Why? Because the truth will set them free. That's why you don't tell them the truth. Because you're gripped by fear that you might. Come on, could you imagine? Imagine if there's a man right here in a wheelchair that's never walked in his life. And you look at him and say, get up and walk. Guess what the first thing everybody in this room is going to do? You're afraid you're going to hurt their feelings. That's why you don't tell them the truth. Maybe they've become numb because they've been crippled for so long. Because a crippled man in that day that's been out there begging has been spat on, has been looked down. Can you imagine when they walked by? When they walked by, stand up, Big Mike. When they walked by, it wasn't like this. Get down on a knee. It was like this. His whole life. He'd been looked down upon. His whole life, he'd been considered a loser. His whole life. And finally, one man said, look at me. Look at my life and look at where I'm going. You're going to stay there and beg for money your whole life and feel like a loser. Or you're going to get up and you're going to go where I'm going. And you're never going to look back. You're never going to look crippled again. You're never going to be paralyzed again. You're never going to be spat upon, looked down upon. You are, come on, Jesus comes in. And what you have been made fun of your whole life comes to an end in one moment of the power of God. Why do you think, teenagers, the devil comes in and say, don't you talk about God at school. Don't you talk about God at school because you might set some cripples free. Don't you talk about God at work. Don't you talk about God at work. Why? Because you might set some cripples free. Don't you talk about God in your family. You might break the crippled generational curse. That doesn't even exist. It was dealt with on the cross. It's our lie that becomes a stronghold. That's a lie perceived to be the truth. What's the lie perceived to be the truth? You're just going to be crippled your whole life. There's too many stories in this room. I'm one. You're one. There's too many stories in this room that you didn't stay crippled. So why would you let anybody around you stay crippled? You're not crippled. Why would you let anybody around you stay crippled? I'll tell you why. Because you're afraid to hurt their feelings. And you know what that is? A lie. A lie. A lie. Get the word out. It's time. 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 Can I finish this story? Peter held out his right hand to the crippled man. As he pulled the man to his feet, suddenly powered. Watch, 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 watch. He just didn't just tell him. 
This is what we do. We just tell people about the power of God. He connected fifth dimension. There was a connectability. He took the man from a crippled state and he pulled him out of the crippled state. He connected with the man to such a degree of his brokenness that he pulled the man out of his crippled state that you will never be low again. Peter held out his right hand to the crippled man. He pulled the man to his feet. Suddenly power surged into the crippled man's feet and ankles. The man jumped up, stood there for a moment, stunned. Stunned at what? Because everybody else saw him for what he even thought he was himself. So he was stunned when somebody actually saw something different in him. The crippled man began to walk around. I love this part. Where did he go next? And he went into the temple courts with Peter and John. He left for joy and shouted praises to God. Some of the breakthrough that you're wanting in your family and your friends, you need to grab a hold of them and quit tolerating where they are and give them the truth and love and get them to stand up. So what? So they can enjoy the praises of God of Yahweh this is the part that I love next when all the people saw him jumping and running around and heard him glorifying God they realized it was the crippled beggar they had passed by in front of the beautiful gate every morning astonishment swept over the crowd for they were amazed for what happened watch this dumbfounded over what go to verse 11 dumbfounded over what happened They were witnessing. The crowd ran over to Peter and John who were standing under the covered walkway called Solomon's Porch. Standing there, also there was a healed beggar clinging. Listen, this is what I love. This is what I love right here. Oh, brother, you can't be having all this close relationship, spiritual father, sonship stuff. Beggar gets healed. Where does he do? Clings to Peter. I'm not letting go of the man that pulled me out of my mess. Even when everybody starts questioning Peter, I'm not letting go of the experience that I had in Christ Jesus with him. I'm not letting go of somebody who walked me through something that nobody else could walk me through. (laughs) With the crowd surrounding Peter, Peter said to them all, People of Israel, listen to me. Why are you so amazed by this healing? Are you, are you serious, Peter? Listen, any preacher evangelist within, I, every, I just go like this, every church in this city, if somebody gets healed, they're calling extended meetings. They're putting it on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. They're calling Charisma Magazine, God TV. Peter goes, why are you amazed by this? Because you've heard about him, but you don't know him. You've heard about him, but you don't know him. So where am I going with this? Once you get one cripple man up, 
Once you get one cripple man up, believe another one's happening. Trenton, stand up. Glenn, stand up. Jason, stand up. Everett, stand up. Jalen, stand up. Jayla, stand up. Dad, stand up. Why are you having your dad stand up? Because kidneys don't heal themselves. He's already had a 20% turnover in the last two years. Healing, healing, healing. The hearts of the fathers return to the son and the son to the father. Stand up, RJ. What's going on with RJ? I don't know. But right where Sam is sitting is right where I watched Caden and other kids pray and pray and pray two weeks ago. And all of a sudden, RJ walks up in from Columbus and sits in that chair. And the kids kept saying, somebody is going to get wrecked by the love of God that's sitting in that chair right there in that chair tonight. And when RJ came in, RJ needed wind on his fire. Because why? 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 Because this is a resurrection life. Let's stop looking at the cripples by the gate and just saying, that's how it's supposed to be. That's how it's supposed to be. That's how it's supposed to be. That's just how it's supposed to be. That's how it's supposed to be. Now, I'm going to tell you how it's supposed to be. You ready for this one? You ready for the arm and going up on the platform, buddy? Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Watch this. People of Israel, listen to me. I need you guys to keep standing up. Listen to me. Why are you so amazed by this healing? Why do you stare at us? We didn't make this crippled man walk. Come on, imagine preachers saying that. We didn't make this crippled man rock. This is the north. No, this is not. What these men are standing up here for is, and this woman has nothing to do with the north gate. It has everything to do with what Apostle D prophesied in this book. Just open the gate to his presence. What does presence mean? It means he's here. It means he's here. The presence of somebody means that God is in the midst. This ain't got nothing to do with us. We just opened the gate. Come on, listen to me. Why are you amazed? Why are you so amazed by this? Why, why, why are you so amazed with this healing? Why are you staring at us? We didn't make this crippled man walk by our own power authority. The God watch of your great granddaddy, your granddaddy and your daddy has done this. I can show you prophecy from April 24. 4th 2016 he said this will never be about a church ever again this will be about a group of people who understand the legacy of the next generation and their kids your encounter woman of God 
has to do for you and your sister and your children and your children's children. Come on, Glenn. This has to do for your grandchildren and your great-grandbabies. This has to do for Marcia and Missy and Jeffrey and Justin and Ashley and Aaron and Casey and Megan and their children and their children's children and their children's children. Everett and, come on, Everett and Jason. This has to do about your great-grandchildren. What we're doing in this room is not growing a church. We're opening a gate to the glory of God so that our kids, 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 kids can tell the story. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen it with my own eyes. Watch what Peter keeps preaching. For he has glorified his servant, Jesus, the one who denied Pilate's face when he decided to release him. And you insisted that Jesus be crucified. You rejected the one who is holy and righteous and instead begged for a murderer to be released. I'm done chasing trends. I'm done messing with people's emotions. I'm not going to glorify sin. I'm not going to watch people stay bound in their yesterday. I'm done watching people be identified in insecurities, fears. I'm done. I'm done watching people I love in this city be crippled when there's a God who transformed me. Do we need all night prayer meetings? No. You need to tell somebody you love, look at me. Look at me. Look at my life. Look at my marriage. Look at my children. Look at my kingdom family. Look at my apostle. Look at where we're going. Look. I can't walk in that temple. You will today. You will today. You will today. Do you know what Peter's final words are to them? Watch. His final words are verse 19. Go there quickly. And now you must, metanoia, change the way you think. Change the way you view normal. You just saw a crippled man walk. I need you to change the way you think. You've encountered God. I need you to change the way you think. Repent is metanoia. Change the way you think. Turn back to God so that your sins what is sin it's something that goes against the walk his crippled nature went against his walk with God I need you to step in somebody's walk I need you to step in to somebody's walk verse 20 and he will send you Jesus the Messiah the appointed one For he must remain in heaven until the restoration of all things has taken place. Fulfilling everything that God said long ago through all of his prophets. For has not Moses told us? Moses told us. Moses told us. I need everybody to look at me right here. 
This is where it gets real against all religion. Moses warned us. A prophet will come and be raised up among you. Do you know what he said about prophets? Peter said, Moses said, listen to the prophets. It's right here. It's right here. The Lord your God will raise up a prophet from among you who is like me. What was Moses? He was a deliverer so that you would never go back to Egypt. You would never go back to your past. How do you not go back to your past? You better listen to the prophet. How do you not go back to bondage? How do you not go back? Why do we keep going freedom to prison, freedom to prison, freedom to prison, in and out, in and out, in and out? Because when the word of God comes, we rely like beggars. What's going to give me my fix for today? Prophets aren't worried about today because they see tomorrow. Listen to him. Follow everything he tells you. Every person who disobeys that prophet will be cut off completely. Destruction will come. What is that? Straight is the gate, narrow is the way. Those that choose the straight and hard and narrow gate is life. Those that pick a wide path that is easy, that path leads to death and destruction. Are you prophesying people are going to die? No, no, stop. I'm not prophesying you're going to die you'll feel like your dreams are dead you'll feel like all hope is lost why because you had an encounter with love that you would have sold everything you had an encounter with love one point in your life you had an encounter I've seen many of you in this room this is why Brandon preached what he preached last night don't lose your hunger because there was a moment You were hungry. You were a dreamer. You believed in the impossible. And then guess what came? The test. The test came. Guess what happens? In the middle of the test, what are you screaming out for in the middle of the test? The answer. The answer. The answer. The answer. The answer. Guess what a teacher never does during a test? Give you the answers during the test because they gave you the answers for the test before the test ever came. God speak to me he did through the gift of the prophet long before the test ever came most people will never know how strong their faith is because inside of the test the enemy makes you hear his voice that you're a loser and a failure do you know how many times that man was set at a gate and dreamed of walking. You know how many times that man sat at a gate 
and dreamed of walking. Do you know how many times he wanted to run and play and adventure and climb a tree and climb a mountain and go swimming? Do you know how many times a cripple that's in addiction, that's in alcoholism, that's in perversion, that wants to live a normal life and the money doesn't fix it and the house doesn't fix it and the fame doesn't fix it. The only thing that makes you feel whole is the love of God. And His ways are beyond our thinking. Brandon said, I could have left, but he stayed. Why? Because of his kids. No, you really stayed for your grandkids and your great-grandkids and your great-great-grandkids. Jason, you probably could have left when you didn't see the results that you wanted to see in your timing. But you kept coming to the temple to pray and seek God. And guess what happens? God begins to move on a son. And as God begins to move on a son, we know, listen, you don't have to believe me. I know what's happening. We are watching Delilah walk through a healing. She sleeps at night. Her medicine that she's beginning to take has it not been reduced, Lita. Her medicine has been reduced every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. What are you worried about? What are you worried about? When he said, this is for your children, I heard that this is for Delilah's children. That she'll be so healed that she will be able to bear children. I know that's been a question. She'll be able to bear children, healthy children, because she's going to be healthy and whole. He had a vision at Passover. He had a vision at Passover that he saw Delilah pull up. He didn't want to say in front of the whole, I'm going to say in front of the whole church because it's real. We just haven't entered that dimension yet, but the more you keep getting connected, the more, he said, I saw Delilah pull up in this parking lot in a convertible. I don't give a flip who gets mad at me on the live stream. I do not care. How do you sleep at night knowing that people don't like you? Easy, I turn the fan on. I saw, I saw that joke this week. Because I don't want you to be sad about this. I don't want you to be sad about this. I want you to get ready for this. When she gets her driver's license and she pulls up in that convertible, we're going to pay for that convertible. Where are, did you hear me? When she gets her license, we're going to pay for her convertible. I want every teenager, everybody 22 years and older, come right here. Come right here. Mama T, come on up. Shoulder to shoulder, shoulder to shoulder. All the way across, all the way across. Go that way, go that way. Go that way, Amaris, go that way. Yep, right there, stop Come forward. Go that way a little bit, Emma. Come on. 
Come here, Beth. Come on. Come on, sis. Come on. Come on. Put your arm around your sister. I watched your sister come in this room a couple months ago. And I watched the love of God fully wrap around her everything that she's ever struggled, fought, went through in her life up to this point vanished in a moment. Vanished in a moment. God is about to bring restoration to your entire family. Everything, I want you to hear me, everything that is broken is about to be put back together like a puzzle because of one thing, love. The love that you have and the love that she has. Nobody in your family will remain crippled in any way. Listen to me. Peter and John. Peter and John went to the temple to pray. Peter and John. Peter, all kids look at me. Peter was probably 24. John, when he met Jesus, was 14. How many of you are 14 or 15 years old? Raise your hand. John, John and Peter grabbed a man's hand who had never walked in his life and he walked. There may not be kids that can't walk at your school, but you know who's crippled. You know who's cutting themselves, who has suicidal thoughts, who looks in the mirror and hates who they are. John and Peter found a love. John found a love from the get-go. I'm never leaving Jesus aside. And at the foot of the cross, he laid there. Peter screwed up again and again and again and again. And Jesus reminded Peter, Peter, my arms will always be wide open for you. Thank you for listening to this message from the North Beat. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please go to www.thenorthgateoh.com and click on the link at the bottom of the homepage.